Welcome once again to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. Jesus emptied himself and took on the role of a servant so we could be saved. In this episode, Pastor Andrew reveals more about Paul's messages on servanthood and how they can apply to us today. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbour. Because if you have no love for yourself, if you then have no love, how can you give it to somebody else? So what does it mean to love ourselves? It means to give respect for the person that God made us to be. Understanding, of course, that that person has been impacted by sin in our life as an entity, has been impacted by the situations of life, the troubles, the difficulties, the heartbreaks, and also for many, the good things, the privileges. How often do privileges lead us to think we're a, a cut above others? And that's the gist of what Paul's trying to get at here. To empty ourselves of the idea that we're cut above others. We're better than them. If you read verses 1 to 4, you'll really get that sense. That we're to consider others better than ourselves. And so what Paul is trying to help us with here is how we go about doing that. And that is taking on the same mindset that Jesus himself had been one who deserved all the privileges. And in a sense, he is a cut above others. He's a cut above everything. But emptied himself of that and took the form of a servant. Isn't it interesting Paul uses the word servant rather than took human form? Or say, and became a man? Yes, he became a man, but he became a man as a servant. And Jesus tells us the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. And he does that at a very point where the disciples are wanting to claim the privileged positions at his right and left hand side. And he's saying, hey, hey, there are no privileged positions if you're following me. If you're truly following me, you're going to have to be a servant of others. And so the sense of emptying gives us a sense of the actions we need to take internally, the thought processes we need to work through in our mind, the instruction to our wills about what we're going to do and how we're going to do them. Notice in one of our songs, and it's a great song, I think we say we give you our will that it's yours. 
And I'm not sure that's right. We always have our wills. Because in every action and thing that we do, we decide to acknowledge him or not acknowledge him. In everything that we do, we need our wills submitted to God, yielded to God, but under our control, so that the actions are truly ours when we confess him to be Lord and we bow our knees to him. So there's a sense then that we are acting and it's an ongoing, continuous action of emptying ourselves to love others, to meet their cares and to uphold them. Now, Paul doesn't pull his punches here. He's not talking about the soft issues, the easy things. He's not talking about doing this when people are so appreciative. You know, some people are so appreciative. You find that? But others aren't, if you found that. And you think, well, he could have said thank you. You've done something really nice for somebody and they show no appreciation at all. In fact, they're so abrupt, you almost think that they resent us actually assisting or helping them. And do we take umbrage? I think we tend to. But Paul says, hold on. You don't take umbrage when the actions that you take that love and care for others aren't received as readily or as appreciatively as you think they should be. Sometimes when you give to somebody and they're not appreciating, it actually means you need to give more, not less. It means you might need to care more rather than take umbrage. It might mean that you've got to go, what does Jesus say to us? The second mile. Go beyond what is expected. To do the unexpected. And of course, the background of that statement is that the Roman law said that a soldier could ask anyone to carry his baggage for a mile. And then he had to find somebody else. And of course, the Jews resented the imposition of this law. So imagine the effect that when a soldier had someone carry his bag for a mile and it's time to hand over, the gentleman says, look, no, I'm going to take him another mile. That we carry it for one mile and then say, hey, I'm happy to take it for another. It has a stunning effect. And so when you've been rebuffed and unappreciated in what you've done, to go beyond that into the unexpected has an incredible effect on their hearts and minds. And all you've got to have them do is ask this question. Why is she doing this? Why is he doing this? And at that point, the Holy Spirit has access. You know, that's what it's about. 
that the actions that we do give access to the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who do not know him, do not understand him, are in no way seeking him. And you see, part of the whole sense of outreach is not just simply preaching the gospel out there. Because some people just don't want to hear it. It's becoming the gospel out there. Having the same mindset that Jesus had. It's getting a sense of how do I break through the hardness of heart of those who reject God, reject Jesus, revile his name, and definitely will not bow to him. How do you break that hardness? And you do that by going into the unexpected, going beyond what is reasonable. Now, of course, there are psychological relationships where you shouldn't continue to do that because of their mentality. But in the general sense, to go beyond expectation, to do even more than what is required, even required in Christian sense, is to get a hold of what Jesus has done when he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Now, I said Paul hasn't pulled his punches here, and this is what he says. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now note who the obedience is to. It's not an obedience to human need, human want, or human requests. It's an obedience to God's calling, to God's instructions. And Jesus was obedient to God in a total sense that he's willing to go to the cross for us suffer death for us. And so sometimes God's call, and we need to make sure it is God's call in specific circumstances, may cost us extreme pain, extreme embarrassment. You felt like a fool sometimes. You've done something, or you've said something, and you thought that was right, and it was the right action, and the right thing. And the response and reaction around you was so bad you felt stupid, felt like an idiot. That's the risk. That's the risk of the type of love that God is asking us to give. It's the type of risk that Paul is saying we can do, but we can only do it if we have the same mindset as Jesus himself. If we try to do it in our own strength, our own thinking, we will stumble and sometimes crash more than we ought to. Because this is not something we can do by ourselves. 
This is only something we can do through Jesus himself. Not just as imitating him. You know, there are so many scholars who want to say that the real essence of what we should do with Jesus is imitate his actions, imitate his life. But Jesus goes beyond that in what he's done to the sense that he does it through us and in us. That he is in us through the power of the Spirit. And it's in the power of the Spirit of God that we do that. It's in his strength, not our own. And I'm intrigued a number of times by Luke's reference to the miracles of Jesus. And a number of times refers to them as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. So if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit even more. Because we're not divine. And sin gets in the way of our thoughts, our minds and our actions. So we continually have a brawl and a fight within ourselves, about ourselves, and about if or if not, we should do what God is asking us to do. We have that struggle within ourselves. And Paul is saying, hey, there's some things you can do about the struggle that can enable you to do the things that Jesus himself had done. To empty ourselves and take the form of a servant. Not a doormat. Not something that people can just simply walk all over and tread their muddy boots all over. No, that's not what this is about. Have you ever seen anybody do that to Jesus? I know he got reviled. I know he got rejected. We even find that in the story of his entrance into Jerusalem where people are laying out palm branches and they are putting their coats on the ground and saying hallelujah to the king. And it looks like they are bowing to him as king. And yet a week later the same crowd are crying crucify him. Crucify him. And the high priest and the priests, as he enters, say, Tell him to be quiet. Rabbi, tell him to be quiet. And don't you love Jesus' response? Was he cowed by that? No. He says, If I tell him to be quiet, the stones will start crying out. Could you imagine what it would be like? He says to the crowd, Could you be quiet for a moment? Let the stones speak. And all of a sudden, the stone starts crying, The king. Praise, hallelujah. Wouldn't that just blow your mind? Now, obviously, Jesus is using a metaphor and analogy. But the power of his statement is there. He's not a pushover. And neither you or I should ever be pushovers. We should not allow people to intimidate us. This is not what we're talking about here. We don't give them control of us. Control of us belongs to us and belongs to God. It never belongs to them. So whatever Paul is getting us and wanting us to do here, it's not giving control to others, it's not being a pushover for others, 
is not allowing them to make decisions for us. We're making the decisions with a will that is submitted to God through Jesus Christ. A will that acknowledges that he is Lord and a will that is more than readily to bow our knees to him and his name. This is our God. And he's paved a way for us to so impact the world around us that it will stun us when we watch it. So where's the beginning of this mindset? It's the beginning of the action we have of emptying ourselves and being willing to be obedient to God in whatever he's wanting us to do and asking us to do. Not just being available, but willing to be available and then seeking his ideas, his concepts, his solutions, and acting on them. And then to just watch our awesome God act on our behalf. So, in this Holy Week, Let's just take that extra time. Let our thoughts move to God more and more. Empty ourselves in the process and allow him to implant in us ideas, thoughts and instructions of how we can love individuals and how we can move effectively to fulfill his purpose. Let us pray. Father God, you have unpacked in an incredible way for us this morning a call. A call that Paul himself followed and calls us to to become like Jesus in the sense of having his mindset emptying ourselves to become servants of others with the purpose of being obedient to your will. And we ask that this week as we reflect, Lord, the power and inspiration of your Holy Spirit would flood our minds, flood our souls, and flood our hearts that this Easter, We will rise up with a new enthusiasm, a new sense of purpose, and a new effectiveness in fulfilling that purpose. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.